The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. The man said to Jesus, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the man heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the dominion of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the dominion of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the dominion of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to Jesus, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Sit with me and hear the story of Job, a man who lost everything. Here's a quick recap for those of you who may have missed the reading last week. Job was wealthy in land, homes, livestock, and family. Life was good for Job until a dialogue between God and the adversary leads him to the loss of everything, including his ten children. Another dialogue between God and the adversary ensues, and this time Job is struck with disease, and his body becomes covered in sores. Despite this, Job does not reject God. He resorts to sitting in ashes and scraping himself with a piece of broken pottery. Job's wife, deep in her own grief, has given up on him. His less than helpful friends were convinced that he has done something terribly wrong 
and needs to repent. It is here we encounter Job today. In physical and emotional pain, exasperated with his friends, dejected and despairing. Sit with me as we count our losses. Loss stings when we are stripped of our money or our homes. Loss cuts to the core as we release people that we hold dear in our lives, either through death or severed ties. We may question our identity with the shift of an important role when we lose a job or send a child away to college. Loss frustrates us when our bodies don't work in the ways we are accustomed to due to aging, illness, or accident. Losses are experienced both individually and collectively. We all hold the grief when major natural disasters strike and ravage our landscapes. Another difficult collective loss is the loss of future hope. This type of despair is captured well in Langston Hughes' famous poem, Dream Deferred. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat? Or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load, or does it explode? I imagine the collective mourning that we are experiencing as a community, as a nation right now, rests in the perceived loss of an ideal future, the better world we envision for the next generation. Giving ourselves time and space to grieve our many losses is an act of caring for the soul, both in our personal and communal lives. Sit with me as we descend to the depths. Job looks to the north, the east, the south, and the west for God. He cannot seem to find God anywhere. Finding nowhere else to go, Job must descend to his own depths, vanish into darkness, confronting the shadow side of his seemingly perfect life. These extreme losses result in a deepening of his relationship with himself, with his people, and with his God. Likewise, the wealthy young man in Matthew is invited by Jesus to lose all that he has, to gain something more profound. Our faith patterns itself in cycles of death and resurrection. We confess in our creed that Jesus descended to the dead, and after a period of time, he ascends to heaven. We see these same cycles in nature as we experience the bitter cold of winter before we encounter the warmth and beauty of spring and summer. I have a history of depression in my family, and it's not something people like to talk about. 
However, it's not only healthy to acknowledge and feel our sadness and anger, it's a major part of life and of growth. The dark places hold deep longing and pain, but also deep wisdom, insight, and creativity. There is something about experiencing desolation and emptiness that increases our capacity to receive and to give compassion and grace. I want to pause for a moment to say that Job is a difficult text, especially in how it portrays God. The text can leave us feeling like God is just plain mean, or at the very least indifferent. Fortunately, we have the entire canon of scripture, church tradition, theologians, and life experience to support the picture of a loving God who does not cause or ignore suffering, but who suffers with us and hears the cry of hurting people. Sit with me in revolt. The picture on the front of your bulletin was painted in 1944 Paris. It represents the courage and hope of those who survived the Nazi occupation. The Job-like figure is heavy with grief, thin, naked, and sitting in the shell of a bombed-out apartment. The paper on the floor reads, Even now, my complaint is a revolt, and my hand restrains my sighs. The coupling of this image and these words, my complaint is a revolt, suggests a fire inside that can't be quenched. Lament as revolt communicates a seed of hope in the midst of the bleakest circumstances. I envision the civil rights movement in my hometown of Birmingham, Alabama, where oppressed African Americans would sit at a lunch counter, on a bus, as an act of resistance, and ultimately as a powerful tool for change. In Hugh's poem, his dream is deferred, not desolated. Job feels like God is far away, but he knows he will eventually plead his case and things will be made right. The act of sitting, of merely existing through life's hardest moments, is a brave and bold act. Our lament becomes the proving ground from which justice is born. Sit with me in hope. As Lutherans, we proclaim the theology of the cross, that God bears with us in all our suffering as demonstrated through Jesus' passion. As the body of Christ in this world, we are called not to avoid suffering, not to inflict suffering, but we are called to become deeply acquainted with suffering so that we can stand in solidarity with others in the pain of their loss. One theologian holds that this vocation is part of the response of God to the massive suffering of God's world. 
I heard a song lyric recently, I'm not alone in the mystery. I'm not alone in the mystery. I feel at home in the mystery. I can't imagine that any of us will ever feel at home in the mystery that is suffering and loss. But we can affirm that we are not alone in it. Whatever losses you have endured, as painful as they have been, have increased your capacity to deeply engage with the person sitting next to you. Here in church, on the L, at a ball game, at a funeral, at a rally. Jesus tells us that it's hard to embrace our losses, but with God's help, it's not impossible. Suffering is our common human experience, and so is rebuilding from the ashes. Today, as we come to the table, we share bread and wine, remembering that we share in the suffering of Christ and of our neighbor, and we share in the glory of resurrection and new life. Amen.